If you have ever wondered how much your business is worth, you will find enjoyment in listening to this podcast. I think that every small business owner at some point has wondered if and when they are going to sell their business. Or perhaps you're on the other end. Maybe that you have aspirations of growing your business through the acquisition of buying other companies. This podcast is about the topic of how to sell your business, how, how you can find a buyer, how to evaluate how much your business is worth. And from a fourth-generation businessman who sold his family's company, he is going to talk about some of the strains and stresses on doing business with family. Now, on to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Better Business Podcast, the podcast that helps you improve your family-owned retail business. My name is Steve Cook. I'm a third-generation business owner, and with the things I've learned and talk about on this show, I've taken my family's retail business to over $10 million in sales. Now let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Better Business Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Cook, and today my guest's name is Hank Bacchus. He is currently the founder and CEO of Bacchus Consulting Business Brokerage. He got his experience originally as the president of Gordon White. At Gordon White, his company received numerous national awards, including Entrepreneur of the Year, Young Retailer, and Top Hardware Store in Oklahoma. After the sale of his business in 2018, Hank started Bacchus Consulting, which is a business brokerage firm that helps maximize clients' after-tax proceeds from the sale of privately held businesses so they can have the freedom to pursue their passions in the next season of life. From his experience selling his family's business, Hank parlayed his expertise to now helping others painlessly and profitably sell their privately owned business. If a person had dreams of selling their business, how much time should they spend preparing in advance for that? Um, is this something that you know you can decide to do uh, one week and, and start the process of selling your business almost like a house? Or is this something that you need to have on your mind mentally and financially and all those things way, way beforehand? Yeah, great question. And I think you know you brought up the point that like selling a house. You know, it's nothing like selling a house. And I think um, as far as the terms are concerned, sometimes business owners kind of think it's like that. You market, you sell, there's contracts, there's due diligence, but, you know, it's nothing like that. From my own experience, you know, it took over 10 years um, to get the business wow. in a place that was truly sellable. Um, and I think the, the thing that everybody needs to do is just be thinking about the exit. And by doing things that can make your business better as you prepare for the exit, it might allow you to enjoy the business more, you know, make it to where it's making more money, and therefore you don't sell it, which is fine. But at least you do need to be spending time working on the business, specifically thinking about the exit, um, so that you are prepared. It doesn't have to be something that you spend every waking hour of your business day. You can't. You know, we have a lot of plates to juggle. But it does need to be something that you consider, and there are things that you can do to get prepared. However, it, depending on your situation, it can take more time. Like I said, it took me, you know, over ten years. 
so walk me through, I think, in, in your example, especially, that the process of you selling your um, family's business, kind of walk me through the process of, of what was going on, the, the situation that you were in, and, and how you took the um, business that you were in and actually ended up selling it. Sure. Um, so, you know, my family's business, I was the fourth generation owner. Um, so my great-grandfather started the business in 1927. You know, we were 92 years old when we sold. And, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't know anything about running a business. Um, I went to college. I went and worked for another company for a year. And then my dad said, hey, you know, why don't you come back and work in the business? And so he did. He said, you got to go work for somebody else within the industry. And so I did that, came into the business, and so, you know, I was, I considered myself the SOB in the company. You know, I was the son of the boss. And everybody's looking at you like, you know, watching, and so I wanted to earn and prove my merit and work harder than anybody else. And so, you know, some good habits and some bad habits were started by doing that. Um, you know, I got to a point where I knew I needed help. And the best thing that I did you know, over those 10 years was I hired two coaches. Um, you know, I needed help. One helped me in leadership, and one helped me specifically improve my business. Uh, inventory, margins, cash flow, AR, customer concentration, all those things that I could literally do and work on, those all made my business better. They made it more enjoyable. I worked myself out of the job. We hired great people. Um, so, you know, I got to the point where I knew um, the business had grown so much, you know, double-digit sales growth over multiple years. We were profitable. And, um, you know, one of the things that I realized was, you know, I've taken this as far as I can. Um, in order to grow it exponentially, it was going to require more capital. I was going to have to go out and get, more lo uh, get a loan. And that just wasn't something that I was willing or wanted to do at that time in my life. You know, so... I, I'm not old enough to retire, and it isn't something that I wanted to just say, oh, I'm done. So I wanted to find a strategic partner that could take my assets and my company and their assets and combine those together and make the two companies better. And that's what happened. The company that operates my business, they're doing a better job than I am. They are taking it and they've grown it even larger than what we had. And so that's that to me is like the perfect exit scenario. The business is still uh, operating. It's still strong. Uh, the company that bought us was like 120 years old at the time. So, you know, being 92 years old, we were young. And so, um, you know, there were specific things that we did uh, to, to get me in a position to do that. Walk me um, through, we've talked about it before, but I forget how many locations you guys had. And this is a, a old school kind of retail. Uh, yeah. Lumber is the, the predominant uh, driver of the business. But how many locations did you guys have? And if, if you don't mind, you know, kind of sharing like some of the, maybe not financials, but just like how big of a business was it? Yeah, sure. We had uh, six retail locations. We had a corporate office in Oklahoma City. So I was, my office was in Oklahoma City. We had six people that worked in my office that had centralized everything, inventory, payroll, HR, you know, that. The six locations were what sold and drove sales. Um, we had... Uh, 47 employees at the time. We had, uh, you know, probably you know, two dozen 
trucks and semis out on the road running CDL drivers. Um, we were doing just over 10 million in total top line revenue. Um, it's a high volume business and a low margin. So you know it's sure. a commodity product that you sell. So you know you, you make money when you buy cheap and sell high and the pricing is not, you don't really dictate the pricing, you have to follow the market. Um, and so sure. you know, we were coming off, you know, in Oklahoma, we had strong new housing starts that played a huge part, strong commercial construction that played a huge part, strong oil and gas that played a huge part. So one reason why you exit, just one of the few reasons is your business is at the top. And I think that's, you know, you, you don't know, you don't crystal ball know, but that's what happened with us. If somebody came to you and um, just said, hey, I don't know if I want to sell my business or not, you know, and asked your advice, what would you say to that person that isn't sure? Yeah, great question. So once I sold, uh, Steve, I started to look and I wanted to investigate, like, how, how does this actually play out? Like, what I just went through. And, you know, my dad's friends, who were 65-plus years of age, owned businesses, who didn't have kids in the business. You know, that was what used to happen. You know, you and I are a rarity. We come up into the business now, and you just don't have children that take over from the parents like you used to. So, one, I started to look, and I, I, I found that you know, it's hard to really quantify this, but somewhere between seven... 25% of privately held businesses that are for sale actually sell. So it's a super small oh. percentage that actually sell. So I was like, well, what happens? And rest? why is that? Is it because most people just close their business down at some point once they want to retire, basically? Yeah, so majority what happens is they close. So they, like what you said, they haven't worked on their exit strategy. Uh, so that's the biggest percentage of that, you know, 70, 75% they close. There is a percentage that gets taken over by children. And then the other is um, employees become owners. So there's somebody within the business that steps in and buys the business from the existing owner. So it's such a small percentage. You know, why is that? Um, you got 10,000 baby boomers in the U.S. that are turning 65 every day. And those are the small business owners. And so as they turn 65, as they gray out, what are they going to do? What's their plan? And so, you know, there's something that says about 78% of business owners have no idea the enterprise value of their business, meaning what somebody would be willing to pay for it today, and they have no exit plan. And so, again, those are things that we want to do to help um, our clients, you know, think about, prepare for, and then go find those buyers. Um, so to your question, I think the original question is, as I started to look and based on my experience and then my experiences of helping broker businesses, there are four questions that a buyer is going to ask. And I've, I've quantified these that it doesn't matter if you're buying a, a $50 million purchase or a $50,000 purchase. These four questions are the same regardless of any size. Um, so the first question that a buyer is going to ask is if your business is so good, why do you want to exit? So as a business owner, you have to clearly, meticulously um, articulate why you want to exit. Um, and if you can't, 
then I tell people to pause. You know, you need to be able to tell me why you are looking to exit because the motivation for the seller is more important than price and terms in my book. Um, so that's the first question that the buyer's asked. Second question they're going to ask is, what's the growth potential? You know, tell me that there is still a little meat on the bone here, that we can go out and take this business that's doing X and grow it to Z. Um, because I tell every business buyer, when I meet with them individually, what are you going to do to grow the business? And if they can't quantify that, then I also tell them they need to hit pause because you have to grow the business. Uh, so the third question is, how much money does it make? Um, that is vital, right? I mean, that is the number one reason why businesses are acquired because of the financial performance. Mm -hmm. um, in the last two years, I've looked at why buyers are acquiring. So the first reason is financial. They're looking to make an investment that's going to give them a return. The second is, um, excuse me, sorry about that. Um, the second is... Oh, you're you know, good. We're running everyday life here. <laughs> customer, you know, the, uh, the employee acquisitions. So obviously, in today's world, labor is hard to come by. So, you know, being able to buy a business that has motivated employees that um, know what their job is, is, is vital. So that was the third question, how much money does it make? And the last question is, how in the heck did you come up with the price? Um, I have helped business owners who have tried to sell their business on their own, and it's gone unsuccessful. And you know, as I talk through, tell me about the process. What is What happened? Why did it fail? Most of the time, the business owner would have somebody who's expressed some interest, and they've said, you know, we all know these guys that say, hey, when you want to sell your business, give me a call. Well, the person gets to be either the age or they're tired, and they say, hey, I'm ready to sell, so they give the guy a call, and then it just stops because the business owner says, well, what do you think it's worth? And so would you be willing to offer? Yeah. Yeah, what's it worth? And so now they throw it in the buyer's plate and say, you tell me, and, and that's just not what needs to happen. You know, I, I believe that you need to go through a full evaluation process, deep dive into the financials, and have a pinpoint laser price of what a business is worth so that you can then go in and justify that to buyers. Uh, so those are the four so questions. So before we, before we even, like, continue on this conversation, though, you know, those, those small percentage of businesses that actually sell is there even a, a larger percentage that want to sell but they can't find a buyer? How do you how do you find a buyer for your business? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely, they they want to sell, but they're not able to. So, again, in my in my research of looking into what is happening, what I was reading on the internet, seeing on TV, wasn't what I was. Um, researching. So, you know, what I, you see on the internet is when you read in the papers and the business journals is, you know, X number of companies being acquired, businesses sold for 10 times revenue, you know, this, this, all these Watch huge one numbers. episode of Shark Tank and you see your business is probably worth $10 million. That's right. And I would, you know, you, I'm seeing Shark Tank, I'm seeing these things and I'm like, but this isn't reality. This isn't what's, what I'm seeing in the privately held world. And so it wasn't matching up. And so you know, in research, 50% of deals under contract don't close. 
um, wow. for any number of reasons. So those business owners that want to sell, that can't, if you don't have multiple buyers looking at your business, then you don't have a real business for sale. The meaning is, if you get one, if you're trying to do this on your own as the business owner, running and operating your business, taking care of employees, managing inventory, managing cash, paying bills, and trying to sell the business, those are two full-time jobs, two full-time jobs. And, it, and then going out and trying to find buyers, you have to have multiple buyers looking at the business. Uh, you know, to create that competitive advantage so that you can pick the right one. You know, this is emotional. There is an emotional aspect that you have to take into consideration when you're doing this. And you have to like the person that's buying your business because you're going to work with them. You referred back to the house. It isn't like selling a house. You don't hand the keys to your house and walk away and you're done. You're going to be there to help them through the process and make sure they're successful. So you got to like the person. You got to like them. You got to work with them. You got to be able to sit across the table with them. And it has to be win, win, win. Win for the seller, win for the buyer, and win for the, all the other stakeholders that are involved. Those being the banks, the CPAs, the broker, the families. It has to be win. It cannot be one-sided in any way, Steve. So this is the, I think... If anyone sees the title to this uh, episode and clicks on it, they have this burning question in their mind. And I think it's the question that everyone would have listening to this is, how much is my business worth? Do you have an easy way to for someone to, you know, on the on the front end of perhaps somebody calls your office and says, hey, I would be willing to sell my business if it was worth this much. But if it's not, I'd rather just keep it. Um, is there an easy way for someone to kind of take a look at their business and, and evaluate it? Yeah, so is there an easy way? No, and the only reason I say that is because, you know, see, we've worked with businesses within the same industry, but we all know that there are no two businesses that are exactly alike. Um, they're all sure. different. We all have their own way of doing things, different systems and procedures, and that all matters. Um, but so what do you do when you do an evaluation? So the hardest thing that I have to overcome in talking with business owners is the overvaluation by the owner of their business. That's the, that's the hardest thing. And that's hard because as a business owner, there is blood, sweat, and tears that you put into it, let alone resources capital and money and where do they get the valuation from is it just a google like i googled how much is my business worth and this yeah, is what so, it said 10 times ebitda or whatever and right here we go I, uh, I uh i was speaking at a, a business networking group and i said you know what what are the typical multiples that you're hearing businesses are sold for and this uh, you know person raised his hand and i said you know somewhere between five and twelve times and i was like you know five and twelve times what you know is it times revenue, <laughs> times net profit, is it times EBITDA, is it times seller discretionary earnings? And so there, there are no two businesses that are the same, but to get to the valuation, you know, you got to understand that buyers don't pay for potential. So it's all based upon the past financial performance and that continuing on into the future. Um, I use a, a, a simple example. Stephen, I think this probably is the best way to describe it. And, you know, I've got four kids, so I keep it simple. I have a picture that represents your company. 
And in that picture is sales, and out of it comes profit, what's left. And that picture has to fill up three waterfall cups, big, middle, little, okay? So that picture has to overflow into the first cup, which is in order to sell your business, the first thing that has to be done for the sale price to work, the, the, the profit overflowing has to pay for the principal and interest of the debt to borrow the money to buy the business. So, use a hypothetical example. The company has 100,000 K coming out of the business and going into bucket one, which is principal and interest to buy the business. If that is over 100 K per year in cash flow to pay for the principal and interest, it's not going to work. It's not going to go to water flow two or three. So you just stop right there. If that's 50K, you've been able to fill up bucket one, and now you go to bucket two. So bucket cut waterfall two is it has to produce a living wage for the owner to put food on the table. So if you are buying a job, which happens a lot in small businesses, so you're exchanging your time for a, for a salary, and let's say the bank looks at it and you're only going to make $30,000 a year or $25,000 after it goes into bucket one, it goes into bucket two. The bank's not going to want to lend that because you've got to put food on the table. Now, that number can be different for all buyers. It can be you know, 50000 it could be $2 million, but it has to produce the money for the living wage for the owner. So that's the waterfall, too. The last waterfall is, I think, one of the most important where business owners forget, and that's third-party financing. So you've got to go into one, got to go into two, got to go into number three, which it has to produce a cash-on-cash -cash return that is equivalent or greater than the risk of the business for the bank to lend you money. So business is highly risky. Um, you know, if you are doing a, a restaurant, that might be 50% cash-on-cash -cash return. If it's something that's more static and you have a, a predictable cash flow year over year and good sales growth, that might be 20%. But it has to produce a cash-on-cash -cash return that's worth the risk. Those are the one, two, three things. If you can do one, two, three, then you have a good sellable business. Now, you get into the nuts and bolts of doing an evaluation, um, which we do, um, and that, that can get you know, you know, very detailed and finite. But I think, Steve, that's the big picture. And I think when I, you know, speak, you use a picture and you use the three cups. If you can do that, then you're on your way. That's an incredible way to look at it. And a lot of people don't think of that, especially in the business. If you own the business, you don't think about, oh, somebody else is going to either have to make a living wage or pay somebody to run this business or whatever it might be. So um, I do think that, that is a, that's a great way to look at it. And in this search, you know, I think this is part of your job and why your company exists, but what do you find is the challenge with finding a buyer? Are there certain businesses that are easy to sell and some businesses that are very difficult to sell? I think about some of the larger businesses, um, even the business that you came from, a business that's doing um, you know, more than, let's say, $7 million in sales, has multiple locations, I start to look at, well, crap, that really narrows the playing field of who has the capability of having enough money or access to money to buy this business. 
do you find that the larger the business is, the harder that it's it is to sell, or the smaller it is, the harder it is to sell? Um, I find that the larger the business, the easier it is to sell. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, you've got you've got more margin, you've got more built-in sales, so that you know if one or two customers leave. Yeah, it's not going to be the end of the world. You take a business that's doing less than a million in sales, they've got 30% of their total revenue tied up in one customer. You, you piss that guy off, you know, you're in trouble. Because you have stable, predictable business, the larger businesses are easier to sell than the smaller. Makes it less risky. Yeah, it does. Um, so I think you talk about like, a, you know, buying, how do you find the buyers? Well, one, You've got to have 20% down to make the purchase. You know, the SBA, who does majority of these business loans, will loan at a rate um, that's higher than, than that, loan to a rate value. Um, but I tell people, be prepared to have 20%. So if you want to hypothetically buy a million dollar business, you need to have 200K. Um, and that can be within your business, that can be individually, but you got to have that 20%. You've got to know or have some understanding of the industry. So, like you say, you know, I don't have any knowledge of civil engineering. So, if I see a civil engineering business and I'm a buyer and the numbers look great, and the sales are perfect, the location's perfect, everything about it is great. I don't know anything about civil engineering. That's not a business that I should even look at acquiring. So you have to have some knowledge or understanding of the business. You don't have to know every aspect because the owner is going to stay and transfer that knowledge that's in their head to you, but you do have to have some understanding. And then last, you do have just to have business savvy to be able to put down on paper how you're going to grow the business because the SBA is going to want to know that. They're going to want to see your thoughts, your projections on how you're going to take this and grow it. Um, so that's what you got to do. You've got to look at those things in order to find the buyers that are going to really fit. Um, we're not, we're not, I don't do any speculative buying. Like you mentioned Shark Tank. When somebody comes to me and says, hey, I've got this idea. I've got, <laughs> I know it's, I know it's a million or a I've even had some people say it's a billion-dollar idea. Buyers don't pay for potential. They don't yeah. pay for potential. They're going to pay for past financial performance and seeing that going on in the future. And then they're going to verify your claims. Um, so make sure that your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. Um, you know, my, my business, we had over $2 million in inventory. I work with business owners that haven't counted their inventory in 20 years. Wow. We counted inventory every day, every day, because I wanted yeah. to know at the drop of a hat or push of a button exactly what my inventory is, and so did the banks. And so when an, uh, a business owner hasn't counted their inventory in 20 years, and you're telling me you have 500000 and I walk through the business, and I say, there's no, there's no way. You don't have 500000 here. You know, just preparing the inventory, counting, making sure your records are accurate is all part of the process to make sure that you have a sellable business. Yeah. 
Now, what about, I think about with family and retail businesses, you know, that's a huge portion of, a large percent of businesses have a family member involved in the business, whether they just work for a family member or their partner in the family. Um, and that is the world that you and I both have been involved in. Um, talk to me about, have you worked with any businesses that is selling from one family member to another? And is that something that needs to be formal or is that something that you would recommend? Um, is there any tricks or advice that you would give to someone that perhaps their parents run a very successful business or their grandparents or their aunt or uncle, whatever it might be, and they want to purchase that business. Do you have any advice around that? Yeah. So we, so I've had two scenarios that just recently happened. Um, one, a business owner who had a child in the business, an, an older uh, child, uh, you know, in their mid forties, they'd been in the business, um, and the business owner offered to, you know, wanted to sell the business to their son, and the son said, "Nope, now, if you're not going to do this with me, I'm not doing it either." So they contacted me, and we sold the business, um, and so the the son was in the business. Um, working as an employee, um, but just chose because they, that isn't what their heart was set on. Um, so that was the first. The second one is that uh, just recently worked with a father-son, um, very successful business, and you know did a evaluation. So the son wanted to buy the father out. Um, so we did a business evaluation for them. They used that to go get banking financing for the son to get a loan to basically buy the dad out. You know. The best experience I had was working with my dad. Um, you know, <laughs> that is far more important at the end of the day for him to be my dad than to be my business partner or the guy that I was going to buy out or the bank or whatever. So, you know, just as best you can, and I know it's difficult, is just to have those open communications of what's the business worth? What am I going to pay for it? What are the interest in terms that I'm going to pay? Um, Buy-sell agreements. Um, you know, when I got into the business, what would happen if my dad got, you know, hit by a bus crossing the street? What was going to happen? Was it, you know, was my mom going to get the company? Was I going to take the company? What was going to happen? Those things, they are difficult to talk about, but it, it, it is all part of that planning process. And if you have to get a mediator to sit in and do it, then, uh, you know, I recommend it. Um, it, it's 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 hard sometimes to have conversations around money and family, but um, it's important. And what what would you say to someone who wants to purchase a business from their family member? Um, perhaps they love the business, they want to work. Let's say the son that you talked about earlier. Um, and they weren't wise enough to reach out to you. And, and perhaps the dad says, it's, you know, I know this business is worth $10 million. Just Google it or whatever. And the son says, I can't afford that or whatever. You know, um, I just imagine that that happens a lot. What, what kind of advice would you give to that person? Is it to go through a formal business evaluation and seek outside uh, maybe opinions? Is that probably the best advice that you could think of? Yeah, I'll start there. Get expert advice, whether that's, through the business evaluation for an attorney setting up buy-sell agreements, get expert advice. That's definitely important. Um, you know, if, if there's conflict arising in the in the purchase price, um, what's going to happen 
is, you know, you're going to get in a business evaluation and, and somebody's going to be happy, somebody's going to be mad. Um, you know, if the, the business comes in what you think is below the value, then the, the owner is going to be upset. If it's over high, then the, then the buyer, the child, is going to be upset because they just don't know. The, the easiest and best way for a child to take over a family business is through owner financing. Um, and that's what I did. Um, I didn't go to the bank and borrow money to buy my dad out. We set up terms, payments, interest, and I paid him out. And again, I wasn't using the pitcher bucket analogy, but I knew here's what our company did, here's what profit I could expect to make, and therefore I can portion off a piece of every year of, of payments to make to my dad to buy the business. Um, and so that's what we did, and that's how I did it. And um, it's the easiest to do within a family business. And usually you're dealing with probably the best buyer because they know the industry, uh, they know how the business works, the customers work. And my dad wanted to sell to me. He wanted to because by that point, you know, he needed me to be in the business. He was stepping out and, and wanting to, to, you know, be an advisor and not be daily active. And so he wanted me to succeed and to buy the business. And, I, you know, I remember when he bought the business from his dad in the 70s, uh, you know, he, I think he said he paid 18% interest rate um, when he bought his dad out. And so, you know, when we, when we sat down, we had an attorney, we wrote up the contract, and it was, it was legal, it was binding. Um, and, you know, I remember him saying at the time, he was like, you know, I think 8% seems fair, uh, you know, an interest rate. And I, I thought, wow, that's, man, that seems pretty high. But I couldn't go out and borrow money from a bank. So, yeah, I had, that's the best deal you could have come up with. Yeah, that was my option. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess kind of just final question, this, this podcast, my, my vision for this podcast is to talk to somebody that's in a family business and especially a family retail business. And, you know, it's rare that you have a guest on that checks all of those boxes. Sometimes they're in a family business, but it's not retail, or sometimes they're in a retail business, but it's not a family. And so I can't help but ask you this as, as a final question. Um, what, advice would you give someone that is working with family? What is something that you feel that you have done really well? And on the flip side, what is something that you feel like you've done really bad? Again, I, I'm going to give credit not to me, but to my dad. So I'm, I'm, I tend to be more type A, analytical, driven, goal-oriented, you know, go charge the mountain and conquer. Uh, my dad was very relational, cared about people, most importantly, and so it was a fantastic marriage between the two of us. And I just got lucky. I mean, I, I cannot say it any other way. It just I got lucky to be in the situation that I that I was. Um, you know, I believe in Oklahoma. I believe that you know I've lived in Dallas and, and Tulsa, and I, I believe that. Oklahoma, Oklahoma City is the best place to work, and therefore, these businesses that we go in and shop at and support that are locally owned need 
to survive need to thrive for the next hundred plus years. Um, that's what we have to do. And so that's why I do what I do to make sure that the businesses succeed for the next generation. In order with working with family businesses, it's difficult. It's, it's challenging. As best as you can, put yourself in a position to where you're not going to be taken out by Amazon. You've built a moat that protects you. You know, I sold lumber, plywood. I knew that that wasn't going to be shipped via Amazon delivery trucks. You know, we had Home Depots and Lowe's that we you know, competed against, but that wasn't our primary competition. So finding that way to make your moat around your business deeper, wider than anybody else. You know, get, get advice, get help. Like I said, get coaching. Reach out and get a mentor. Everybody needs a mentor. Um, and, you know, my dad and I, we would do two times a year, step out of the business and talk about the business. And those were so vital. Those were where the important things were discussed. That's where we talked about me buying. Him. That's where we talked about expansion and about growth and eventually about selling. So as best you can, that would be the, the simple advice, as I would say, is to carve out time to go meet. Um, you know, I, I've met with business owners that are looking to sell, and as we talk, and I say, you know, when was the last time you took a vacation? And they're like, oh, you know, we're so busy, I haven't been able to take a vacation. I'm like, you need to. You've got to get away. You've got to step away to work, you know, on, on the business and not in it. So that's my advice. Um, I, I, I don't have the magic bullet answer of what business owners, retailers need to do, but there's just those fundamental things that we all know need to happen, and then it's just executing on them. Have the initiative to do it. Well, thank you for uh, being on today. If uh, anyone has any interest in having your business evaluated or having a conversation around buying a business or selling a business. Um, Hank is the man with the plan and uh, I'll have his website in the uh, show notes below. Hank, thanks again for being on. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. I enjoyed it.